all who listen to this happy podcast, welcome to In Waltz Time with your host, Craig Mahoney. What? Why, that's me. <laughs> Gorsh. Uh, yeah, your old pal Craigers here with episode six of In Waltz Time. I know on last week's episode in the open, I said it was episode four. I, I was I was telling a little bit of a fib there. Uh, unintentionally, of course, I just I just miscount. I was I lost track. I lost track of where I was. Listen, math was never my strong suit, okay? I, I'm a man of art and letters. Um, speaking of letters, there goes either the J or the M. I'm recording this, uh, and I'm not even recording this in my usual spot, in, uh, in my little studio space. I'm recording this just in upstairs in my living room area, um, which is why you'll get a, a little more of the... the ambiance of Brooklyn in the background as as I record the open here for a very special episode, a very special episode six, as we have our very first guest. It's a guest. It's a guest. Sakes alive. We'll all be blessed. Wiseman pulled and thank the Lord we've had our napkins. All right, you get it. Um, R.I.P. Angela Lansbury, by the way, star of stage and screen, beloved the world over for her work in... uh, by movie fans, by Broadway fans, by television fans, and of course Disney fans who know her from Bedknobs and Broomsticks and Beauty and the Beast. She was big on any any movie that began that had two B words separated by and. That was uh, that that was that was her 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 niche in Disney uh, in Disney features. Um, what a run, though! What a life! I mean, you, you man, uh, legend. Few few people earn, and you know what. Speaking of people who earn the the term Disney legend, which Angela Lansbury obviously did, I forgot to mention Alice Davis on the last episode, who was a um, Imagineer, and she was the wife of Mark Davis, one of the famed nine old men who then became, you know, started working with Wed to design, um, to help work on Disneyland, and did a lot of, came up with a lot of the gags for the Jungle Cruise and Pirates of the Caribbean, and then even um, Haunted Mansion. And Alice Davis uh, started, got her start with Disney uh, when they were looking, when they were doing Sleeping Beauty, right? And and they were looking for a, a live action reference model to uh, model Aurora or Briar Rose and doing her dance and singing in the forest. And they wanted the dress, they wanted the skirt to move a certain way. So Mark got Alice to, to make this skirt that would flare out, you know, in the way you see it in the movie when she spins. And... Um, after that, Walt kind of brought her on when they started doing when they started creating uh, these rides and these audio animatronics. She designed the costumes for uh, "It's a Small World" and she, you know, the, and for the Pirates of the Caribbean and many other things over the years, and was a great keeper of Mark's legacy and sort of the legacy of those early days of Wed. And I know was beloved by a lot of Disney fans over the last year. She would make a, do a lot of public appearances and make a lot of. Um, Public appearances, speaking engagements is what I meant to say, and, and interviews and things like that, and uh, sort of kept the uh, kept the flame alive of both her her ex husband or her not her ex husband her late husband I'm sorry, and the uh, the wed legacy the Imagineering legacy there so R.I.P. Alice and Alice Alice Davis as well, um, both of them both Alice Davis and uh, and Angela Lansbury making it well into their 90s so uh, good for them. Right now, I feel like I, I might not make fifty. I'm uh, dealing with the we had we had a, a severe temperature drop over the weekend here in the the Big Apple, and I, I've come down with a little cold. But I'm also I'm still dealing with like this this long COVID nonsense. I I was up at the up at Yankee Stadium 
work and attended bar for this uh, college football game that was there on Saturday, and it was a very long day. And I had put in a very long week in the studio uh, creating art and doing podcasts and all that. And um, and I've been shot, basically, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. This episode was supposed to get up a little earlier today than it did. I'm supposed to record a special bonus episode for premium subscribers, and I've not gotten around to that, but I'm, I'm working on it now. I'm, I'm throwing... All sorts of fluids uh, down my throat to get myself back in the saddle and up and functioning here again. Um, so we're going to get to this interview here, this, uh, well, conversation's really a more accurate way to put it, with our very, very first guest, one Brian Crawford. Speaking of B words, words that begin with B, uh, Brian Crawford, he's the keeper of the man behind the Instagram account, the aforementioned on the last episode Instagram account, Keeping Walton Disney, and was also is a former co-host of the Jiminy Crickets podcast, which is a podcast uh, that is also, uh, I recommend it. It's a good one for uh, some Disney history. I, fa- I failed to mention it on the last episode, but you should definitely check it out. And we're going to be speaking to him about uh, his history with, with Disney, with animation, uh, his ex- he he has some experience in broadcasting, doing some radio work. We talk about that. But mostly uh, he's here to kind of uh, educate me and hopefully you uh, and and introduce us to the Walt Disney uh, live-action films, which I I don't know much about. Uh, Math math and Walt Disney live-action films are... No, two things I'm not a complete expert on. So he's here to tell us a little bit about those. We had a nice conversation. I will say, though, that, uh, you know, when you're on the phone and occasionally there's a bad signal and some words drop out, uh, we did not have the best signal. And we tried. We did what we could with it. Occasionally his audio drops out a little bit. Obviously not mine. I'm going directly into the computer here. But <laughs> that's it's the nice thing about being in the room, you know. Uh, but. Yeah, there, there's there's some occasional audio dropouts from him. If if I feel, felt it was um, a lot, I would ask him to repeat what he said. Sometimes I I think you can still get the gist pretty much of what he's saying. And and I was fortunately we we're on a Zoom call, so I could see him as well as hear him. So sometimes you know I'm obviously I can see his lips moving. So there were words I was able to make out. And if I knew there were specific names or titles, you might hear me kind of just mention those as he's going because his. His audio dropped out a bit there, uh, but I, it's it's not it, it's not bad enough where I felt all right. We got to shelve the interview. I think it's I think it's still listen it's still good. I'm just letting you know that there are some issues here and there. Um, but overall, it was a good it was a good fun conversation. He's a great guy. Former uh, he's a, not former. He's still in the Air Force, I believe, on active duty. Um, and we yeah, I, I really enjoyed having him on, and I look forward to you know more conversations. I could have gone on for another two hours. That's the great thing about this show, and that's really what I want it to be is sort of you know not not like you know I sit here and lecture you on Disney history. Uh, there are other podcasts who do great jobs with that, and um, as I've mentioned in the past, but to just really just bring people on who who either you know n- know about Disney history and for and to have conversations with them and and to get 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 into it or you know to bring on people who are also you know fans but you know artists and animators or whatever who may not have written uh, any sort of book or done a ton of research but they just get their insight on on how they feel about Walt and maybe certain projects certain movies uh, or shorts that they love or you know ride attractions whatever um, so 
this this was great, and I and I think listen, audio uh, issues aside, this is sort of you know hopefully get, gives you a good sense of the feel of of what I want this podcast to be and where I want it to go. Uh, speaking though of the podcasts that do you know that are educational. Ed, ed, um, and teach you a little bit about stuff. I, I have mentioned in the past, I, I think I mentioned the Walt Disney Family Museum podcast. They just released an episode today about Fantasia, which I had begun listening to, which is pretty good. And um, the Connecting with Walt pod, no, not Connecting with Walt, I'm sorry, which, which is great, and they've got some good stuff. But no, the Disney History Institute podcast. I'm sorry, I apologize to all, to Michael and Craig and Todd for mixing you guys up there. Um Connecting with Walt, connecting with Walt has a good uh, part one about uh, Herb Ryman, who's um, uh, another Disney legend and uh, uh, you know one of the minds behind sort of the you know the the construction, not just the construction. The uh, what's what's the word I'm trying to think of? Man, this long COVID, the long COVID with a cold. You talk about the brain fog. I mean, it's like pea soup in here right now. I'm trying to dig deep. For words, I could say I can almost visualize like a thumb in my brain flipping through the dictionary and the thesaurus pages. Anyway, uh, the inspiration, I guess, not inspiration is not the word I'm looking for, but Herb Ryman, he was big in the early um, conceptual design <laughs> of, of Disneyland. I'm a little shot today. I apologize. <laughs> especially, yeah, especially to those of you listening to the, for the first time, it's not always this bad. Um, I'm going to need a nap after this, I think. So <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. But before we do, I also want to remind you that we are available on all major podcasting apps. And should you be listening to us or uh, on any of those, please subscribe and please rate and review us. Give us a high rating. Give us good reviews so that more and more Disney fans may follow and listen, and man, if we're not if, if if we're not just giving you solid gold here right now to subscribe to, I don't, I don't know what 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 is. But, um, <laughs> also, you can follow uh, you can follow the show and myself on Instagram at In Walt's Time. You'll see any new Disney art that I create, any drawings, paintings, etc. On there, as well as be notified of uh, new podcast episodes. But if you really, really, really want to listen along, and if you uh, follow along and be notified of new episodes, and if you want to get bonus content, and if you want to support this show and help your help your poor, sick old pal Craigers out here, uh, please subscribe to the Substack, CraigMahoney.substack.com. You can become a free subscriber. Also, premium subscribers will get bonus content. You will get uh, sneak previews of any new Disney art or art projects I'm working on. Um, you can also, depending on how you decide to uh, to subscribe, there are different sections to my Substack. You can get you know you can get non Disney content as well. Um, yeah, and well, so premium subscribers will get the premium. Ep- will get bonus episodes. You'll also get uh, you'll you'll get discounts at my art store. Where you get twenty percent off the entire order if you're a pre- if you're a premium Substack subscriber. Any art, any prints, any paintings I do that you you decide to order online, uh, you'll get twenty percent off. And of course, you know I- I- even if you don't subscribe or become a premium subscriber, you can always still uh, follow the links in the show notes to go purchase any of that art or to go to my T Public shop and get any T-shirts or other merch. Also, uh, every I'm not sure how I'm going to be feeling tonight if I'm going to get to it, but 
every Wednesday around, let's say, between like 6 and 8-ish, I'm going to be on Twitch at Craig Mahoney Art doing live uh, live Disney uh, drawing or painting or watercolor or gouache. I don't know what the heck I'm going to be doing. Maybe a colored pencil. We'll see. Every week will be something a little different. But um, I, I'm on Twitch at Craig Mahoney Art, and I'm going to be doing a lot of uh, live art demos and videos and stuff on there. So, And every Wednesday, to coincide with the, with the dropping of a new episode, I will be doing a live Twitch stream where I'll be drawn, drawn or painting some sort of Disney something. <laughs> so that's all right. That's all the business out of the way. Now let's get on to the, to, the, to the main business of business, which is, of course, the conversation with Brian Crawford of Keeping Walt in Disney, uh, formerly of Jiminy Cricket's uh, podcast. And um, just, you know, he's going he's gonna to learn us a little about the live action films. So here we go. All right, kids. Well, I, we welcome our first guest, uh, not of the episode, but ever, the first guest ever to In Walt's Time. Happy to have him. Uh, you may follow I, one of the Instagram accounts I mentioned on the last episode, uh, Keeping Walt in Disney, uh, one Brian Crawford. And in addition to Keeping Walt in Disney on Instagram, you're a former co-host of the Jiminy Crickets podcast, uh, which is a great show, which I think I, I failed to mention in my, in, in my previous uh podcast recommendations I've, I've listened to it more than a few times uh your moderator on the Diz boards and you, with jared melford who is at every disney flick on instagram you do a monthly uh live action film discussion over there on instagram live in addition you're also a teacher and a member of the air force like like my father was at one point and uh you used to you used to host uh on classical radio in dayton ohio which is kind of cool because, I, which, well, before we even get into the Disney stuff, I want to talk about that for a hot second because I'm a classical music guy. I love classical music. And I've actually been to Dayton, Ohio. My friend was a UD alum. He was a flyer out there at the University okay, of Dayton. That's so great. I, I went out to visit him in like the mid to late 90s when he was in school out there. But okay. uh, real quick, so what's, uh, how, how'd you get into classical music before we get into Disney? Okay. Well, uh, first off, thanks for having me on the show. I've, yeah. Listen to every one of your episodes and have really enjoyed them. Well, thank you I like for the listening. Cool, and uh, back casual style. <laughs> yeah. Well, I figure. Listen, there's there's so many uh, Disney podcasts out there. Well, most of them deal with the parks, but there are a few that deal with uh, history and stuff. And I said, listen, I'm not going to out knowledge any of these guys. They've all been doing this for years. <laughs> Same I said, what I can, I, I have. <laughs> I have experience in broadcasting and doing, you know, comedy and speaking into a mic and, and I have an enthusiasm for it. And as an artist and as somebody who's, you know, worked in entertainment and the meat and the media to a certain extent, I'm like, I can bring like that sort of angle. And so we could do more of an analysis discussion and just, just have a chat. And then, you know, and it's hopefully make it a little bit more of a, um, a nice sort of, uh, you know, a gateway drug <laughs> into more Disney podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Try to inspire people to dig a little deeper. Yeah. Yeah. By, by Ooh, making it not, not necessarily film. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, the classical music thing. Um, I, I, I guess it got started with my dad. Uh, he brought home like our first CD player back in 1987 or 1988. And he bought a few classical CDs to go with it. And I, I think I was getting bored with the current style of music. I was 14 or 15, mm -hmm. kind of bored with the rap and the hip hop. And I just instantly fell in love with like the sound 
of the music, like the harmonies, the melodies, all these instruments coming together really kind of caught on with like composers like Beethoven and Brahms and of course Mozart. Yeah. Who's your, who's and your favorite? Just, I would say my favorite composers for strictly classical would be Brahms and Tchaikovsky. And well, I'm sorry. You, opera, you, cut out there. you cut out there for a hot second. Who was it? Oh, okay. Brahms, Johannes Brahms, okay. German mm -hmm. composer. Yes. And Tchaikovsky, of course, of, of the famous uh, lullaby. Yeah. 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 That's it. <laughs> and Tchaikovsky, of course, Disney fans uh, should be more than familiar with uh, seeing right. that from uh, Sleeping Beauty. Uh huh. Sleeping Beauty, Nutcracker, and Fantasia, things like that. Oh, that's right. Yes. There's also. <laughs> yeah. And uh, let's see. Well, I just went crazy. With, back in those days, there was those uh, record clubs like BMG and Columbia House. You remember those? Mm -hmm. Yeah, BMI. Yeah, yeah, like they would, they'd slip in the little mailer, like send yeah. us in eight CDs for a penny. You know, you only have to buy forty more at full price in the next two years. Or <laughs> yeah, I think I think and, a lot. I think we're we're, we're roughly the yeah. same age. I think a lot of members of our generation uh, ruined our credit early on. By yes, we did. <laughs> signing up for the Columbia <laughs> House for a penny and then never fulfilling our obligation. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yep, I got those nasty notices. So I just <laughs> built a collection and I I bought a couple of books from uh, NPR, like how to build a classical CD collection. I think it was, and just started reading everything I can get my hands on. And uh, after I joined the Air Force in two thousand three, I was twenty nine. We my first assignment was in Dayton, Ohio. Mm -hmm. and my boss told me to get active in the community, do some service, and I looked up the classical music station in town and thought I'd just do some volunteering, like during their membership drive, answer phones, you know, whatever they could have me do, and I ended up chatting with the uh, the production manager. I'll give him a shout-out, Larry Caressel. From, uh, mm -hmm. He's from Springfield, Ohio. He's the morning host. He's been the morning host for discover classical ever since they first went on the air in 1984 and um we just got to chatting and like he's like hey man you know you can pronounce all the names of these dead guys and and uh we need somebody on wednesday nights to host symphony hall would you be interested in doing it and i'm like i got zip radio experience so you know what the heck <laughs> They're not going to pay me. It's strictly volunteer stuff. So yeah. this was this was public radio. This, is... yeah, 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 it's, yeah. Uh, called yeah Dayton yeah, Public w, uh... Radio Discover Classical. Yeah, WQXR is out here in New York that we have. Okay, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I think <laughs> I listened to it a few times driving up there. Yeah, you're cutting yeah. in and out a little awesome. bit. We're we're losing you here and there. Am I? Your audio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you're uh. You want to boost your signal i don't know what you can do <laughs> um let me see I, here. I, what yeah i had a similar introduction um into classical as you did in that my father you know also because I, I think we're, we're you might be a hair older than i am i don't know if you're in your fury already yeah we're, we're roughly whatever same age same generation um my father also you know got the brand new uh, stereo system when the CDs came out and stuff and, and was also in the, you know, everybody, you had to get the class, you know, it, it was almost, you, everyone had to get the classical ones to really uh, test those new systems and the new format out. Uh, so he definitely helped introduce me to a lot of classical music. Then also uh, cartoons, 
Looney Tunes cartoons and Fantasia. Yeah, uh, of course. was really what got me into. And I remember, yeah, I remember getting a, uh, you know, a cassette uh, set of like classical and it was all just, you know, the greatest hits or whatever of classic and, and, you know, wearing out the uh, Hungarian Rhapsody and all the others. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that's great stuff. I I think that's where I first was exposed to it as well. And then just hearing it, you know, outside of that cartoon context mm-hmm. really got me uh, excited about that and the history and just fun stuff. Yeah, well, Tchaikovsky I, I is really, one of my So I, I did the radio well. show for about eight years and just got a little bit of radio experience and how to produce programs. And so it's fun. Cool. Very, very cool. Uh, yeah, Tchaikovsky, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, I think my my three are Beethoven, Tchaikovsky, and Stravinsky, uh, which who oh, okay. I was introduced yeah. to through Fantasia. And uh, yeah. I yeah. love Stravinsky. I kept one of one of the uh two two of the of the of the sort of sacrifices of the pandemic was I think I missed out on uh the New York City ballet doing both uh Sleeping Beauty and uh Firebird, and I was very upset by that. Oh man, but yeah! The I hardcore Disney the fans will be familiar with both. Yeah, I've oh, seen the Firebird yeah. in person; would be great. It's one of the great few, uh, one of the few shorts. I mean, I think Fantasia 2000 is a little uneven, but um, but I really do enjoy the Firebird segment in that in that one. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's that's in 2000, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My favorite part of Fantasia 2000 would be the Respighi. That's the. I think it's the pines of rome the pines the of rome the whales yeah. are yeah yeah yeah, 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 the yeah whales are dancing I, that's, you know <laughs> that's a great piece too and i, I i'm yeah. glad because it's it's a good introduction to how many people are really good to have really heard of the pines of rome like everyone knows beethoven's fifth and uh pomp and circumstance and a few of the others that are, right. that are featured in there uh you know uh rhapsody in blue but um pines of rome i was unfamiliar with until i um until i saw fantasia 2000 i was like wow this is great and I went, and here's the great thing now. You like you said, you you went and got some books on how to build a CD collection. And now you kids today, you're so spoiled. You have it so great. You could just you could <laughs> get a Spotify subscription, and then you just Google like best Pines of Rome recordings, and like ten articles yeah. pop up. And then you go into Spotify, and you can listen to all of them. It's it's really is it's it's a great time if you. And I'm a big jazz guy too, and. uh you know, it's so much easier to discover uh, that type of music now than it than it was when we were than when we were y- lads trying to get into it. The same thing with yeah, Disney. Yeah, I'm, I take advantage of the internet too nowadays. But yeah, yep. Same had to lug around those too, big books. Close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Having to had know, to take the big book into records. Virgin Records or Tower Records. <laughs> yeah, and you, and you don't have to. You don't have to go into debt collecting uh, CDs anymore either. Nope. <laughs> I buy all my stuff used now. Nice. So how yeah. did your uh, how did your love for Div- Disney begin? Um... Well, I I think it started with my parents. So my dad was actually uh, an amateur animator, and oh, he cool. did an internship at Cal Arts. Oh, very cool. And his uh, expertise was in drawing the Winnie the Pooh characters. Oh, nice, nice. And I think it was third grade when. Um, I invited my dad to come to our to my class, and he did this whole demonstration on how to draw Disney characters. He did Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, all the Pooh characters, and 
all my classmates were like, oh, man, your dad's the coolest. And, you know, I started <laughs> feeling pretty good. <laughs> my chances with the third grade ladies that day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, he would just uh, take us to all the movies. Whenever the films came out, we would race down there. Oh, my parents, they honeymooned at Disney World in 71. They Oh, wow. Okay. They went in October, the very month uh, it opened. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, that was so I have like open. all of their all their memorabilia from that trip, and I was looking at looking through some of it a few months ago, and this they had a little shopping bag and a little receipt fell out of it, mm. and it was dated October twenty fifth, nineteen seventy one. Wow! The same day that Roy Disney was there to dedicate the park. That's so, crazy. So That's were, awesome. They were there that day. <laughs> They, now I'm sure you, you have you you've held on to that receipt. It's like yeah, I still have it in your Disney cave. <laughs> My Disney cave. <laughs> that's right. That looks cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So you have so you have so you, be, was, you become not just a fan but a collector. Yeah, right, right away. Every time we go to the park, I I get some sort of souvenir. I wish I had a lot of the stuff that I bought. Probably starting from age nine, we'd go to Disneyland every year. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that stuff is. It's gone. <laughs> yeah, because you're a West Coast guy, so I've never been. I I grew up. You know, what I went to Disney World three times as a kid with my family. Um, still never made it out to Anaheim to the park. Next year, it's on my it's on my to do list. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, if you have a father who's into animation and you're you know within driving distance of Disneyland, mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's a great way to grow up. And we, like I said, we're about the same age. So it was right about the time. I mean, if you're, if you were in third grade and your father's drawn Winnie the Pooh characters in your class, was that about the time that the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh were on Saturday mornings? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Saturday yeah. morning cartoons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember watching that. Was, that. that was sort of the beginnings of the animation renaissance uh, that sort of, you know, began with, I think it was like 1985 or whatever when, um, when Winnie the Pooh and Gummy Bears, and, and I think it was the Wuzzles too. It was like when Disney television <laughs> animation first yeah. came back. You know, they're do- they're, they're rebooting yeah. everything. There's not a single piece of IP they have left untouched and unused. I'm like, they're just leaving the Wuzzles just sitting there, and and, and, and if they're going to do like a like a live action remake or something, why not the Black Cauldron? Try to do something with that. But I'm surprised. Oh. I, I'm surprised the Wuzzles is not on Disney Plus. I had a Bumbleion plush, uh, a stuffed animal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's great. I had totally forgotten about that show. It was like Wuzzles, the Gummy Bears, and Winnie the Pooh were the yeah, first the Winnie three. the Pooh. And they were Saturday, yeah. and then and then Ducktales was the next one. That was the beginning of the Disney Afternoon stuff. But that was but that yeah, was I remember sort of racing the, home after school to yeah, watch yeah. Ducktales. Every that day, was sort of the beginning know? of you know sort of the as we got into the sort of animation and renaissance of the late eighties, early nineties because. It was right about that time that American Tale was coming out as well. And then, you know, Disney started doing more with the features and things like that. As I've as mm-hmm. I've mentioned and discussed on this show ad nauseum. Um, so as you've gotten older, how did you uh, <laughs> how did you start making this more like more a part of your life? And, uh, you know, where you decided you wanted to, you know, you're on the uh, Jiminy Crickets podcast and you're doing you've, you've got the became a huge collector. Um mm-hmm. And you know, hosting the Instagram, you were running the Instagram account. Like, what made you decide to go from just like fan collector to take it into where you know you're 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 talking about it and sort of sharing your love of Disney with sure. uh, 
with the world? I I think it started right around the time when the D23 fan club came out. Mm-hmm. So I, one of the offers that they, that they first gave when you joined D23 was to buy like this tin that had all the Walt Disney treasures in it. Oh, wow. Cool. It was like a, a massive tin that had like, you, you know, the shows I'm talking about, like all the Donald Duck cartoons, the Mickey Mouse, Pluto, had a lot of the yeah. Walt Disney Disneyland specials on, on it. Yeah, ones so ones I just, that I wish I I wish I could have that tin because it, it's a bunch of stuff that should be on Disney Plus and is not. Yeah, it's a great resource for for digging into stuff that might not ever be on Disney Plus because it's not Marvel. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't because some people are like, oh well, you know, some of the stuff might be a little. I'm like, no, some of those cartoons have nothing that would be considered a, a offensive or out of date at, at any time. And yet, they're just not on the service. It doesn't. Yeah, I, I like I to know. think that they just haven't gotten around to doing it. So I'm hoping so. Yeah, <laughs> that. So getting that and then digging into all that classic animation and and Walt Disney history. Plus, in t- 2010, when I was stationed out in Southern California, we got Disneyland annual passes. So we started going to Disneyland all the time and started going to some of the D23 events and. I found myself just kind of hanging out in like the the Disneyland gallery where all the historic like artwork and old things like attraction posters, like vintage attraction posters and things that I just kind of gravitated towards that classic Disney that really just it it got hold of my imagination and that's what I started buying. And uh then I started getting like books on Walt himself. Mm-hmm. So books like that you talked about in your show, you know, like this one, the Bob <laughs> Thomas. Book. Yes. Yes. I have that you know, nearby. That one. <laughs> and then I kind of wanted to know a little bit more about the company. So I, I bought Building the Roy Disney, Roy Disney biography by Bob Thomas, by Bob as, Thomas well. as well. So yeah. that's a good one. And I just started reading everything I could and just, started to really have a great admiration for walt how much he persevered you know he always he'd always try something new it didn't work or you know he he did the oswald cartoons and oswald got stolen from him and so let's try something different like mickey mouse and the oh you know then snow white and the seven dwarfs and then disneyland all these things that people said he could never do he did and i just thought that was a great like person to model my life after and uh, yeah i just became a big walt fan <laughs> yeah i i became huge into uh animation history at that time stuff and then, well learning animation because i you know, wasn't i drew and i was an artist and especially when you're that age when you're still in your tweens or whatever mm-hmm. uh cartoons are easier to get in uh, to draw <laughs> and to try to do other stuff but um no, I really, I really got into animation a lot. We did not have, a, as I mentioned on an earlier episode, we did not have Disney Channel. It was still like an extra thing. It wasn't, it wasn't included in our cable. Package. Oh yeah, yeah. My um, dad never bought it. <laughs> yeah, so I wasn't, at, and and I again, and we, you know, Disney World was a thing you'd go, was something we did every few years, maybe you know. So I, I Disney, the a lot of the classic cartoons were not necessarily a part of my life, but I went to the, I still went to the uh, the theater and saw all the new ones and the re releases when they were out. And, you know, my parents were very supportive of like teaching, but I think they were hoping like one day, you know, oh, he's going to go get a job at Disney. 
And I was like, no, one day I want to be Walt Disney. <laughs> I didn't want to... <laughs> like, yeah, I want to have it's... my own studio. Do all the... Didn't quite work out that mm-hmm. way. We got our own tiny little, I have a sub stack now and a few podcasts. <laughs> but, yeah, um... I checked it out. It's great. Great stuff. I love your artwork. Thank you. Especially Thank the you. baseball stuff. I'm a huge baseball fan. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, uh... Too huge. My wife doesn't like me watching baseball when the Giants are losing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, let's see. The Giants had a good run there. Um, you know, we might, maybe, you know, I, I should probably, I, I need to, I, I've never done a Willie Mays piece. I probably should at some point. I mean, I oh, guess yeah. I'm, I do most if of my stuff outside Yankee Clark Stadium. Piece? Oh, yeah. If right, you did we, Will we can Clark, talk about then that. I might buy that from you. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> we I will. Can, we, can talk, we can talk about that. Yeah, yeah, we we, we might have to put a we might have to put a, a, a Craig Mahoney Disney piece on the in that cave of yours as well. But uh there's I do have some, not much wall space, but I can find some. <laughs> and by the way, kids, if you're interested at all, please visit CraigMahoney.substack.com. And the holidays are coming, there's all sorts of new stuff uh available. Um oh what what you know what I wanted to ask you because um I, I'm trying to encourage people to subscribe to the Substack, but not everyone is going to be interested in the various things. So I know you can decide to opt out of certain sections. Like, you know, if, I, if people just want to hear about the Yankees stuff and if people just want to hear about the Disney stuff, did you do that? Was that easy? Was that like, was there a notification telling you you could do that? Uh, I didn't get that far. I just subscribed. I was going to go back in and select which one of the feeds I wanted to subscribe to, but yeah. that option. Okay. There I, I just pick and I, choose like a buffet, yeah, just, a Craig Mahoney yeah, yeah, yeah. buffet. <laughs> yes. I just want to make sure that it's sort of obvious to people because yeah. I don't want people subscribing and then being like, why am I getting stuff every day for things I don't care about? You mm. know, I don't yeah, want to turn people off by overwhelming. Because I haven't partaken yeah. of the buffet yet. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't sat right. down at that Craigers table. Well, there hasn't been anything like. new posted since Friday, so you wouldn't be getting tomorrow. You should get something. You, tomorrow, oh, you should okay. get an email. Um, all right. Well, the, cool. I because I wanted to know that I'm, I need to do a little, you know, customer survey, uh, satisfaction survey here to find out how, how, whatever. <laughs> okay. What, I want to know what 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 your Substack experience is like. So how? Uh, so when did you start going from just being you know a huge fan and a collector to saying, hey, I want to you know. Um, well, obviously you had the radio experience, so mm-hmm. going to start a podcast or the Instagram account had it seem like, you know, not a, a more of a, not a huge step at all, really. Yeah. It was fun to collect things and show off my collection and, you know, here's the coolest record I just bought, or here's a neat attraction poster and, and this and that. And I felt like really what happened was I just, I guess I just noticed that the, the more and more the focus of the company was on Star Wars and Marvel and a lot of the content being created was centered around that. And I'm like, you know, there really isn't a lot of focus on, on Walt and, and the things yeah. that he created. I mean, I get it from a business standpoint, but it's very important to me that things are preserved. And so, especially the things that he created, like mm-hmm. that's timeless material that he, he created. And uh, I really loved how Walt was like, he had like one foot in the past. Always. He loved nostalgia, but he also mm-hmm. loved forward thinking. Yeah. And I, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of the same way. You know, I love, I'm in the air force. I, I like technology. I like cool 
airplanes and bombs that can blow stuff up. <laughs> yeah. But I also like, like when I lived in Ohio, I love driving through old towns, historic towns, like little main streets. And the first time I went to Disneyland, when we got that annual pass in 2010, I just, I loved that whole nostalgia of main street. And I would just linger there and just take everything in. And it just dawned on me that, you know, this stuff needs to be preserved, you know, and I want to focus my account more on what Walt created. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of gravitated towards um, what aspect of Walt Disney's did I do I enjoy the most? And that really kind of led to my love of the live action films. I just I absolutely fell in love with all of the those old classic movies that that Walt uh, produced. Well, that's good because as, as I've mentioned on this show before, uh, that is a blunt, my blind spot. I, <laughs> when it comes to theater, <laughs> I do know, I actually have 20,000 leagues on, uh, 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 under the sea on right now on mute in the television, just to sort of oh, get great. in the mood, yeah. which I do love. I mean, that, that is a classic classic. Cause I think, I think a lot of the live mm. action movies, some of them are classic Disney live action movies, but there's like a handful of them that are just classic films, you know, and 20,000 leagues certainly falls under right. that with a, the great, a great two-fisted Kirk Douglas performance and uh, <laughs> the marvelous James Mason and the great Peter Lorre, uh, super classic. Oh, that, yeah. that and Treasure yep. Island and, you know, uh, Old Yeller and Mary Poppins, obviously, are just, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a classic movie lover at all, you're familiar with those. Um, but then there's a lot of other live action stuff. And I think, and I, you know, I think the more you get into the 60s, quality starts to vary. Uh, and yeah, but, yeah after Walt what dies. is it? <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. just the um, and the Kurt Russell show. <laughs> yeah, there there is a definite like drop off. Like Walt, you know, even though he passed away in '66, he still had his hand in a, several films that were kind of in the production process mm-hmm. that didn't come out until he passed away. So you kind of see this like gradual decline and like quality, especially in the stories, the storyline. Who the the man that took over Ron Miller, uh, he took over most of the production after Walt died and and he still had a lot of the great actors to choose from. But once those folks started retiring and it was really pretty much Kurt Russell, Jodie Foster, yeah, that's right. Helen Hayes, kind of some of those Peter Ustinov. Uh, he, that's all he really had to work with. So, uh, yeah, there was a decline, but really, when Walt was in his prime, like in the in the mid fifties to through the mid sixties, that's like the golden era of of live action, and uh, that's kind of really where I like to I focus on and get most mm-hmm. of my enjoyment from the films is in that era. But I'm, well, I'm a lover of all classic films. I, yeah, yeah. I've I love Frank Capra films. I love 30s and 40s Hollywood. I'm a huge Barbara Stanwyck fan. Oh Anything wow, yes, in yes, great. It's just awesome. I love that Christmas is coming up, and I can't wait to watch Christmas in Connecticut. <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies. Well, she is uh, one of her most famous roles is with the first ever Disney legend. <laughs> Fred yeah, Murray. Fred McMurray. Double indemnity. 
Yes. It is uh, <laughs> just an absolute what a great classic movie. film noir. No one's seen that. Oh, yet. I know. It pretty much defines the genre. Yeah, that is say. pretty much the definitive one. And speaking of uh, yeah. Peter, the aforementioned Peter Laurie, if you have not seen um, Maltese Falcon or Casablanca, <laughs> yeah. you got to get on. He was that. in Casablanca too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which one? Peter Laurie, Casablanca. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. Uh, he he was the one who probably shot the two German couriers. <laughs> probably didn't he own oh. that nightclub? I think. Oh. No, 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 no. He was the he, he he was the one that uh, Humphrey Bogart as Rick kind of looked down on him. Yes. Okay. Uh, time to watch. Cause he's the one. Again. He because he he's the one who said <laughs> he's like oh those poor devils and he's like yeah and, and, and like and Humphrey Bogart gives him a look like yeah I'm sure <laughs> like. <laughs> Like he's got this he's sort of got guilty such look an awesome voice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was great. Um, yeah, because that was during an era where there was a lot of European refugees coming over, um, you know, fleeing World mm-hmm. War II. And a lot of the actors, you know, who were in Casablanca were, um, you know, had, had sort of fled Nazi occupation. So, you know, really? that, that whole, yeah, that so that whole scene with, um, oh, what the heck is the song? The, uh, you know, when they're singing the French uh, anthem there and the, the the two competing anthems at Rick's oh, Casablanca. Well, you know, there was a lot of genuine oh, emotion yes. in there. Yeah. yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Uh, there was a lot of genuine emotion yeah. in that because these people had actually left Nazi-occupied uh, Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, now as I mentioned on the show, I'm I'm a I'm a huge lover of the animation stuff, and I you know I have some experience with animation. And I love the parks and stuff. My my one blind spot is the the live action movies. Now again, uh, actually, I need to I need to rewatch. I have not seen Treasure Island or Old Yeller. It's on my to do list shortly to rewatch both of those on Disney Plus. Uh, but yeah, I have tried there. getting more more into some of the older older things. Um, now, see, I I need to rewatch them because my memory is that you know I love the anime the animated stuff. My memory is that a lot of the live action is a little is a little cornier, a little cheaper, and I think I think especially yeah. like it, it, towards the late fifties, early sixties, Walt was sort of making them like television, but they were like TV movies that he was releasing to a theater, you know. And I, I think, uh, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. there was a lot of. Um, I think he enjoyed them. And he's even, I think he was even on record as saying like, yeah, they're corny, but I'm a corny guy. I like corn, you know, and people like uh-huh. corn and I know what people that, yeah. like. So, <laughs> so I don't think yeah. he was just, I don't think they were just made just to be like content, what we would call content now. But I do think there was a certain way, like we can make these type of movies for this type of money and they will make money for us. Unlike the animated yep. movies, which are just going to eat money <laughs> at this point. Um, so like, I, but I think he knew he wasn't making any, like outside of Mary Poppins, he knew he wasn't making any Oscar contenders, you know, once you get into the late fifties, early, once he really starts getting into Disneyland and that's his baby, um, you know, so, Mm -hmm. but obviously they have many, many, many fans and and they are beloved classics, especially, you know, we're talking about movies like the parent trap and, you know, the shaggy dog movies and, uh, you know, what's, um, Absent-minded professor and uh, right. Wait, it's yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely a nutty professor. Yeah, you know Lewis. your stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the nutty professor I love because I love I love Jerry Lewis doing his like Dean Martin yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a former yeah. Playboy playmate Stella Stevens. Uh, <laughs> the love interest in that. Um, 
So I need to get. I, so I, you're the perfect first guest for me to have on this because it's the one thing that I can't really uh, talk about uh, at all on my own. So let why don't you uh, give us give give guys like me who and and listeners like me who aren't as familiar a little primer, a little uh, sort of beginner's guide to the best sure. of those uh, Walt era uh, live action films to check out. So. You know, since this is a podcast called In Walt's Time, I'll just kind of cover the period of time that Walt was involved with live action films. Mm -hmm. And it started with uh, a couple films that you mentioned on previous episodes, like Victory Through Air Power with uh, that major Day Saversky. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what you, you mentioned before that Walt read a book called Victory Through Air Power and decided that, hey, we should make a propaganda film that shows the the uh, value of air attack in in the in the war i and think that america could benefit close to your heart <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> walt disney had air superiority on his mind and he wanted to take that to i believe it was uh oh who was the president at the time roosevelt i uh, see i'm really bad with his history <laughs> <laughs> Well, from what I understand, a lot of the naval brass did not want Roosevelt to see that movie. This is the story. I don't know yeah, how true it is. Right. And then it, Army and I think it was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then when um, yep. when he had one of his meetings with a uh, summit meetings with Churchill, Winston Churchill had seen it and was the one yeah, who showed he's it the through one FDR. That recommended that. Yeah, mm -hmm. that that's that's, right. that's from what I understand. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to say it was probably a big step from the Air Force, kind of. Now, I would say disenfranchising itself from the army. They were the army air corps up until 1947. And that's when it became the air force. The, and the army uh, a lot corps. of it had to do with how the, the air definitely won superiority for, for the United States in the war. So they're like, Hey, you know, maybe, maybe we do need a separate branch of the armed forces, you know, one that's dedicated to fighting from the air. So. It's a good thing because now I have the job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it worked out for you. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you might you might be able to say you you kind of owe Walt a little bit for you. Yeah, I, I do. Mean, That's I another think, reason why I love the guy. Yeah. There's there is some debate about how influential that was. You know whether or not there would have you right. know all that would have happened anyway, even had the movie not been made. But I think you could definitely there it did obviously have an influence. I mean, if if Winston Churchill is saying to FDR, you should watch this, and clearly, you know, oh, yeah. it was a. It was a movie that had some sort of influence and power. Now that was totally. Now, so that was kind of like a, a almost his first initial. Well, his real first initial forays into live action were the Alice comedies, but right. Uh, I think mm -hmm. what was the first one where it was just all live action? Because we had he we started because he was he dipped his toes in. Alice was was live action, yeah. um, and so then he transitioned I think, was Reluctant from, Dragon like, the first one where there's. So that was the first. Uh, I, I would say that's more of like a docu film, kind of like Victory Through yeah. Air Power was. Yeah. And then the actual first live action drama was Song of the South in 1946. Yeah. Mm hmm. We, we, we still had the animated segments in it. Yeah, it still had some animation. So it was at that time that he signed uh, Bobby Driscoll and Luana mm -hmm. Patton to like. They were the first Disney actors to be signed a contract to sign a contract with Walt to do films. And then a couple of years later, they did so dear to my heart. Yeah, that was, which yeah. is was a really special first, that movie. Was, for, 
Was that the first that without any animation? It still had a little bit of animation. In okay. it. it still had some animated sequences with like, uh, oh gosh, it's like the the black lamb. I can't remember. Danny, Danny the black lamb. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, there's yeah. some songs in there called Stick to Itivity. Mm. There's like an owl that sings to the lamb that says, you know, because the lamb is trying to uh, behave and be a good pet for Bobby Driscoll's character, so that he can take him to the state fair. And so there's like a wise owl that teaches them how to, you know, persevere, be good. Uh, I've never uses seen an that. example of Christopher Columbus to illustrate <laughs> stick to itivity and perseverance. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. But, See, and that's what I, I, I was not even aware. I, I, cause I, that's still on my uh, to do list. I've not seen, not seen that. Uh, and I did not know there were animated segments in that. Obviously, yeah. Song of the and South, I mean, shame. everybody's familiar with it. It's not on Disney Plus, which is kind of sad because that was one of Walt's favorite movies because it reminded him so much of his hometown, Marceline, mm -hmm. and uh, just the the love he had for the Midwest where he grew up. There's yeah. a lot of that, and so dear to my heart. So that, uh, let's see, that was the last film that had animation in it until Mary Poppins. So then the yeah. first film that was completely live action was treasure Island in 1950. That's what I thought. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And so that's an interesting period of time because uh, Walt had all this money tied up in Europe that he couldn't get access to. He couldn't get the money from Europe, take it to the U S and use that to make films. So the problem yeah, because of all post-war stuff. Yeah. The, yeah. Right, exactly. So he teamed up with like Pinewood Studios, a couple other studios out there. They they made Treasure Island and they made a few more films that starred Richard Todd, like the story of Robin Hood, mm -hmm. The Sword and the Rose, Rob Roy, The Highland Road, those kind of films, all distributed by RKO. And that's when we first meet Glennis Johns, the the mother in Mary Poppins. So she had a couple roles in she did such a Rose. fantastic job yeah. in that. My my guess, I, I was she nominated for an Oscar for that because she's so great in that. I don't think she was. It was I just Julie know. Andrews, like as a supporting. I mean, obviously, Julie Andrews won. Yeah, like that. Right. That's the sort. That is the sort of like comedic turn today that I could see because mm -hmm. you know obviously com comedic roles don't get nominated for Oscars too often. But that is the sort of one that I could see getting like a supporting actress nod. Because uh, she is just brilliant in, in that in Mary Poppins. I love her. Yeah, so, so good. I never um, get bored but, of watching Mary Poppins. Always oh, no. entertaining. Yeah. Uh, Treasure Island. Um, now, that was... Uh, what's the lead actor there? Um, Robert Newton. Plays Long John Silver. Yeah, and Bobby yeah. Driscoll's uh, in, in that as well. Um, yeah. One of the sneakily most influential movies of all time because that is pretty much where... Like when we have like talk like a pirate day, and you now everyone thinks pirates yeah. talk. That's from that movie. Like there was sure. nothing. That's where that sort of popularized that sort of it because nobody knew how they. I mean, chances are they all just spoke whatever sort of English or Spanish accent they had at the time. But the whole yeah. R vasty matey, you know, stuff all comes R from Treasure man Island to that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shiver me timbers and and uh, oh my gosh, yeah, that is just. He is the definitive pirate voice. I think everybody tries to emulate when they do talk like a pirate. Yeah, no, that's it. And that's, and that's, yeah. It's amazing how certain movies, like how 
you know, uh, influential they can be. And that's the thing. I, I don't think we realize how much a lot of Disney stuff, uh, a lot of the things, you know, that Walt created over the years, how much of it has just seeped into, you know, the, the public consciousness without, without, mm -hmm. oh, without us yeah. even knowing it. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, you know, just think of all the things that we just constantly just entered the vernacular from like the three little pigs or Snow White or things like that. Or even the idea of lemmings yeah. all rushing to their death was something that was like <laughs> that is totally not a real thing. But it was in one of the true life adventures that they put. Yeah, that's right. Lemmings uh -huh. do not actually do that. What was that? The Vanishing Prairie, I think. Yeah, maybe. Which yeah. Was yeah. That? Yeah. I don't know. Uh oh, well, <laughs> speaking of true life adventures, that. uh so after he got done with those British films and he could start producing films back in the U.S., mm -hmm. The Living Desert was the next one. And he tried to get RKO to distribute that for him, but they thought it would be a total flop. Yeah. You know, no one's going to watch like documentaries of animals. He's like, well, I made Seal Island and all these other ones. But yeah, but you didn't make them into a full length feature like you're trying yeah. to do with The Living Desert. So. Uh, so him and Roy, they just like, you know what? We don't need RKO. Let's make our own, like, uh, wholly owned subsidiary and distribute our own films. And so that's when Buena Vista was born, 1953. Mm -hmm. And they uh, distributed the, the Living Desert. And I think that won a couple of awards as well. People ate yeah. that stuff up back then. They love well, it. It, it's still now. I mean, look, you know, BB when you when Planet Earth comes on, or you know, you look how much, uh, you know, the, the the, you know, I think Planet Earth really kind of kicked it off again. But you know, obviously on Disney Plus, you have all the Nat Geo stuff and the Nat Geo uh, mm -hmm. Wild documentaries, and they just put that uh, America the Beautiful uh, series on there, which has got some amazing shots. I meant I, I need to watch those. Show. Yeah, it's so good, especially now with the with you know camera technology, what they can do for these. But you know, mm -hmm. you know, Netflix worked with David Attenborough on you know uh, that was it Our Planet, and uh, people love this, yeah. and it and it all grew out of the True Life Adventures. And if you have Apple, David Attenborough did a thing with Apple called Prehistoric Planet, which is a, oh, yeah. did uh -huh. you see that? It's basically like I don't know why I, I, it tells you how far the CG animation has come in that um, it's like dinosaurs but it's like you're watching a bbc nature documentary on dinosaurs and they don't shoot it in any they shoot it the exact same way they would shoot you know uh like looking at tigers uh in the jungle the same way they shoot like a t-rex mm -hmm. or a velociraptor and it's it's fantastic you gotta see it. if you're if you like that sort of thing i need to see that I highly recommend yeah. it but yeah all all, all Walt had was the first guy to do was, that uh, with the true life adventure yeah he had that that couple, the Malots, go out yeah. and film things, and they would just go to these locations for hours and hours and days and days, weeks and months on end, just mm -hmm. filming, just waiting for that perfect moment yeah. to capture on film. And that's and then there's, I mean, that's so there's a lot of the way footage. those things are shot today. Like there's just so much foot because you yeah. can't you just unless you're purposely going to stage something, you're just waiting for the animal to do something interesting. <laughs> it could, <laughs> it's funny though, a lot of that, a lot of the B-roll footage in the True Life Adventure shows up in other live action films later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he saved a lot. Like Summer Magic comes to mind. You know, that, uh, there's a couple scenes like the ugly bug ball scene in Summer Magic where uh -huh. you get a lot of that B-roll footage. But, uh and of yeah, course, so a lot of that, those, a lot of those were also sort of the uh, the influence. Um, the True Life Adventures were also a, an influence on Adventureland, uh, as well as you know, for sure. um, yeah, and yeah. Uh, 
bear country in areas and frontier land too. Yeah. 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 So after, uh, like you, you talked about 20,000 leagues under the sea, that was 1954. Mm-hmm. And it was right around that time that Walt started getting into television. Yeah. Uh, the, the biggest reason why was to promote Disneyland. So he, well, I had to get got, funding for Disneyland. ABC yeah, became he a got part ABC owner. on board. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so he discovered the medium of television, which you talked about, like how quick and easy it was for him to get content out there. And so uh, the Mickey Mouse Club came yeah. out. And then he had like the Zorro series, which uh, ran uh, separate from his Disneyland weekly show. That was actually ABC picked that up. And it ran for two seasons. And on the Mickey Mouse Club, he did a little mini series like the Annette serial. There's Spin and Marty and uh, the Hardy Boys. I was going to say, a lot of these child, yeah, a lot of these child actors uh, were really good. And Walt wanted to make more films with them in there, with those kids in there. Um, But just backing up a little bit. Uh, one of the biggest things that he ever put on TV were the Davy Crockett specials. Yeah. Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier, and the uh, Davy Crockett and the River Pirates. And so I kind of like to think of live action in these eras. So you've got the documentary era, then you've got the British film era, and now we're in the TV area. You're cutting out a little bit again, so I'm going to ask you to to just restart what you were just saying there. Okay. So I like to think of the live action films in these specific eras. Mm-hmm. So we talked about the docu films, yeah. and the British films. And then in 55, we're in the television era. So you've got Fess Parker as Davy Crockett. And then mm-hmm. he did a couple other movies like the great locomotive Ch- chase. Yeah. Westward Ho the wagons, uh, old yeller, which and, is and one speaking of just the, the influence of Walt again, on pop culture and general pop culture. I mean, just how huge Davy Crockett was that song. Yeah. And then, you know, every kid wearing the coonskin cap, of course, you know, like, you know, even a back to the future, you know, when, when Marty goes back, you know, his, uh, his young uncle, I guess at the time who he meets is wearing the coonskin <laughs> cap. I mean, that's, that's you can't, right. You can't show any like popular depiction of the night of 1950s America without hat showing a kid without wearing that, that song. Yeah. And without he walked into the, the uh, that little restaurant and that song's playing on the jukebox. Oh, that's right. I forgot about and, that too. Yeah, back yeah. to the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I can't remember everywhere. who wrote that song, but it was, uh, oh boy. I want to say it was either Buddy Baker or, uh, see, I, I don't have that written down in my notes. <laughs> oh, we can find out in a second. <laughs> yeah. You can look that up. <laughs> so, but, uh, Davy Crockett, you know, worked with Buddy Ebsen, Jeff York, a couple of my favorite actors from that period. Uh, and then in Old Yeller, uh, Buddy Ebsen, or not Buddy Ebsen, but Best Parker starred alongside Dorothy McGuire and Tommy Kirk and Kevin Corcoran. And that's when we start getting like this whole idea of the Disney family of actors. Yeah. Which is an idea that I fell in love with, like, because... You just see them again and again in movie after movie. And they're just familiar faces. So, and I like, when I watch these movies, I feel like I'm invited into like their little family setting. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, each time I watch another movie that they're all in, you just get that familiar family feeling, this really warm. It's like comfort food for your eyes, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how to explain yeah. it, really. It's just it's just that familiar, nostalgic feeling you get uh, when you're surrounded by things that are familiar to you, that things that you always fall back on because they make you feel good. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, honestly, I mean, I do that a lot too because I'm here in my art studio working a lot, and I always, I you know, like having movies. This, I this, you know, I can say that I've seen certain movies dozens and dozens of times, but I haven't. They're just mm-hmm. on while I'm doing this. I like I'll put them on like you put on your favorite yeah. album or whatever. And you know, Snow White and Pinocchio are two that I can go back to over and over that do very much have that oh, sort yeah. of warm nostalgic sure. feeling, and I love having those on. Um, yeah, but uh, it, it was uh, the Ballad of Davy Crockett, uh, Thomas. Blackburn did the lyrics and George Bruns, who, uh, you know, was George sort Bruns, of, of course, what did the music yeah. who was Disney's go to guy for so many. Did the everybody's yelling at me because I couldn't get it right. Yeah, I know. Adapted the Tchaikovsky <laughs> uh, ballet for Sleeping Beauty brilliantly, but then uh, also yeah. did, uh, but then, uh, yeah, he, he would, that he, I think he did the music for all the subsequent features, right? 101 Dalmatians. I know he did the Jungle Book. He I did think a he lot was of pretty stuff. Because I think you mm-hmm. up, up until the late 50s, uh, you know, this, they tended to use different composers and different songwriters for, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of different things. Like an early, like late thirties, early forties, Lee Harline and uh and uh, Frank uh, Churchill did a lot Churchill, of stuff. But then, Mary Maury, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then Cinderella, I think, were different songwriters and stuff. And then, but then as you got into the the late fifties and sixties, it was pretty much all George Bruns and then the uh, Sherman Brothers doing most of the songs. Yeah. Were, so yeah, George Bruns, Buddy Baker. Yeah, they really characterize like the disneyland sound i like to say mm. like songs like the monorail song or the people mover yeah those like the, the background music you hear in those disneyland specials like like the people in places documentary or the 10th anniversary special why um, don't they have the people in places that's another disney plus they you know yeah that blind spot yeah that was back in that docu film era where yeah. walt there's great ones like the there's one from Samoa. There's a Polynesian one. There's mm-hmm. I, I see these little spots at the end of some of the shows that are released, and it's like next week on Walt Disney's Disneyland, yeah, 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 we're gonna yeah, take yeah. you to people and places, and it's like I want to see that. You know, I really yeah. Which see which that. episode is that? Is that the plausible impossible episode or whatever? It's it is it on, one so. of the episodes one of on those, Disney Plus. Yeah, because I know it's in and color. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's but it is, a, it is a they're, thing. They're, I think they made thirteen of them, and people and forget they even exist. One. Yeah. yeah, and there's it's really weird because only one. That's as much as you you you, they, you, you the knock on Walt too in the um in the fifties and sixties, especially as you know he uh started becoming more dominant through pop culture and and the creation of Disneyland, Main Street USA, and it's like oh we just offers this sort of sanitized version of Americana and American culture and this very simple there and like almost like no curiosity about the wider world or anything like that. It's like no, he was mm-hmm. interested in all sorts of but he he literally yeah. created a whole other series of films exploring other countries and other cultures right. and stuff. Uh, you know, which of course he first did with on the Good Neighbor uh, project of Saludos Amigos, which I guess you could sort of put in the right. hybrid live action. Uh, yeah, Saludos Amigos, Three Caballeros. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's amazing how the people in places has sort of been like completely forgotten, even by the company itself. Like you almost never see or hear any mention of it. Yeah, what a great theme song too. I just, yeah. 
the people and places theme is just awesome. There's one place you can hear it, and it's in a television, uh, like the Wonderful World of Color release called the the story of Hans Brinker or the Silver Skates. Yeah, which is a story of a, a Dutch boy that is trying to you know save his father. His father got injured, and so he's trying to win this skating race to raise money to for the surgery. And it's just this really heartwarming story of how the how he raises money with his sister, and the music in that film is is outstanding. It's not a people in places uh, release, but it kind of fits that mold. So yeah, um, yeah, just a little so plug are, for one of my favorite. <laughs> ones. And what one is that called again? It's called Hans Brinker or the Hans Silver Brinker. Skates. Oh, nice. Um, and what, so what, what are some of your favorites? I mean, we haven't even touched on like things like the parent trap and, uh, well, Swiss family Robinson yeah, against yeah. when we talk about, well, especially when we're talking about, um, inspirations for Adventureland. there's, um, mm-hmm. that, and also the one thing that, uh, that, um, and I'm, and I'm, I don't know why I'm blanking on the name of this here. Cause it is, a, oh, the African queen, which was one of the, the inspiration with, which oh, is not a Humphrey Disney Bogart film, oddly and, enough, uh, Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn, Catherine Hepburn. Um, yeah, yeah, but it was one of the inspirations for yeah. the uh, Jungle Cruise ride. Jungle Cruise, um, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, but the uh, True Life Adventures of Swiss Family Robinson and that type of stuff were really sort of inspirations for a lot of Disneyland, which was um, which yeah, it was sort of you know trying to uh, the, the original inspiration for Disneyland in a, in a lot of ways was to sort of allow people to enter into a movie and you know they were like live action. Yeah, it was movie basically sets. a set. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Design and all the sort of theme production the, designers. The attraction posters you saw at the beginning were like the the preview that you would see before a film, right? I love those old like, ones. So especially the the the, uh, the, yeah. the haunted mansion one and the old uh, the tiki room ones and stuff. Those I, lo- I love those designs. Oh right? yeah, yeah. The, the tiki one is one of my favorites. So, well, yeah, my favorites. So I'm, I'm kind of coming up to them right now. So okay, after the TV era ended, you know, Walt wanted to utilize all these great child actors, but he didn't have like that one actor that that they could all work with that would really tie the films together until we found Fred McMurray. Mm -hmm. And I think Walt saw a lot of himself in Fred McMurray because Fred played like this really prototypical father figure in a lot of his films. And I think and and this is in my three sons, right? Wasn't he the father? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And uh, I think Walt would would have wanted to do a lot of these films himself. But, you know, he was just too busy with, you know, Disneyland and the World's Fair was coming up. And yeah, so Fred McMurray was the perfect actor to play in films like The Shaggy Dog, The Absent-Minded Professor, Son of Flubber, you know, Mm -hmm. all those great. uh, Those three were all filmed in black and white just to make the special effects a little more believable, even though they were yeah. already producing things in color at that time. But one of my favorite Fred McMurray films is Follow Me Boys, which mm-hmm. is not on Disney Plus, unfortunately, but it's just a, and it for uh, one cool thing about that is that's Kurt Russell's first uh, Disney film back in 1966. Does that make it his first film or was he doing some other stuff before that? I think he had done something before. Yeah, because I had I had talked about this one on our on my Instagram live feed, and I, I think he had done 
a couple of maybe some commercials or something before that, but it may have been his first feature film. Yeah, my it's it's so interesting because you know you think especially you know you grew up in the uh, in the eighties and stuff, and you, Kurt Russell is like the quintessential like quintessential Hollywood tough guy, you know, from the John Carpenter movies and all the action movies he yeah. was in in the eighties and stuff. <laughs> and it's like, right. no, he got his start as a as a Disney kid. He was like, he was a computer that wore tennis shoes. Yeah, he was a total um, Disney kid. He worked with yeah, Fred and then, McMurray and Dean Jones. And, and to yeah. see that, just to see him there, and to see him on that uh, one Disneyland special where he's like uh, hosting oh, yeah. and introducing people to the haunted mansion and stuff. And it's like, yeah, this that guy, one with and he would, the, and this, the Osmond this is, brothers. Yeah, and this is the future Snake Plissken. It's <laughs> that's a that's a great. Well, what what is that one? That's the. Uh, Disneyland Escape from New York. Time, I think it's called. Oh, 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 I, I, oh, I don't remember which one it's called. Where they go to the Hawaiian yeah. Mansion, where he's, he's, uh, yeah. yeah it's uh, Kurt Russell, the Osmond brothers, and EJ Peeker, who oh, was yeah. in Hello Dolly, the, the elegance girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy to, and then, uh, Kurt Russell, uh, yeah, came, came back around to Disney with, um, when, when he played, uh, the coach, the hockey coach in, uh, about the the team you oh, were saying. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Why can't I, I Herb, know it's from uh, miracle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miracle, miracle. miracle. Yeah. yeah. My so, favorite. Yeah, my... It looks like we're we're running short on time. So yeah, after Fred McMurray's era ended, that's kind of like the Haley Mills time, which are like mm-hmm. my. If I had to pick ten top ten live action films, five of them would be the Haley Mills movies. Really, it's just, so it's just like my favorite, like. My Parent favorite Trap and Pollyanna. Is Pollyanna. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pollyanna and then Parent Trap and all these amazing actors she worked with, like Jane Wyman, Carl Malden, mm-hmm. you know, Brian Keith, Maureen O'Hara, Marie Chevalier, Burl Ives. Wow. And uh and then she kind of passed the torch to Dean Jones and that darn cat in 65. So then we enter like the Dean Jones era. And, Dean and Jones this area. is when Disney starts getting a little bit more comedic as opposed to like dramatic with the exception of like the parent trap, which was very comedic. Um, and then you've got Dean Jones, like he started off with a couple flops after that darn cat, like the ugly dachshund and monkeys go home, which were just, just kind of like those movies you talked about, which are just like, Let's just push these out. They're Dean Jones. People love them. They don't. We don't care if they're good or not. But people will come to watch Dean Jones. <laughs> and this is the era where well, I, people... I want like a '60s Disney live action movie title generator. <laughs> you get things yeah. like you know, the ugly dog, <laughs> that darn cat, the ugly dogs, and monkeys go home. The computer wore tennis shoes. It's like <laughs> the love bug. Yeah, it's 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 Black it's almost like ghost. they just came up with the title and then said, "Let's just do it." Th- what can we do with this? <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, let's get Dean Jones. People like yeah. Dean Jones. He's a good-looking guy. The ladies yeah, will come. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so those two flops then uh, occurred, and then Blackbeard's Ghost, which was a complete success. Just that was one of the very last films that Walt Disney uh, actually worked on and had a say in, even though it came out. In which 68. I'm sorry, you're, you're cutting out a little bit again. You're talking about Black Beauty. Oh, Blackbeard's Ghost. Oh, Blackbeard's Ghost. Blackbeard's Ghost. Black. I'm saying. Yeah. I was like, Dean Blackbeard Jones. was a Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Black Beauty. It was a record. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, Dean Jones, Peter Ustinov, and Suzanne Pochette. 
So yeah. that that's a great one. And then, of course, maybe his crowning achievement with Disney was the love bug. And, yeah, uh, and, that, and this is, of course, we're like, starting to get a little into the late 60s, early 70s now when we get into yeah. the Herbie movies. After yeah. the love bug is really when Walt's influence really started to wane. Mm -hmm. um, but just a couple of honorable mentions. like You talked about Swiss Family Robinson, but uh, Babes in Toyland, because we didn't talk a whole lot about Annette Funicello. Oh, yeah. so no, we didn't, no. She had a... Yeah, and so she was in that one with Tommy Kirk and Ed Wynn, another great live-action star who was in The Absent-Minded Professor and, of course, Mary Poppins. Uh, and Ray Bolger was in Babes and Toyman, which is... Yes, Ray, you know, Ray he, Bolger, uh, who everyone knows as the Scarecrow in Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah. So he did that Disney film, too, mm -hmm. with Annette. And everybody loves Annette. I mean, she was a big TV star on the Mickey Mouse Club. And she did a couple movies with Tommy Kirk that were successful. Like the monkey's yeah. uncle, uh, the misadventures of Merlin Jones, and then but she went the on. The Frankie Avalon film. ones were not Disney ones, right? The beach, uh, the ones, just all those. the babes in Toyland. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then all those beach party movies, you know, where Walt asked Annette, "Pretty please, make sure you're wearing a, a one piece in all these." Until <laughs> 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 she did Bikini Beach Party. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> it's like, well, I can't do Bikini Beach Party in a one piece. You know, what's up? <laughs> Eventually, it's like, well, this is this this is where the times are going. This is what needs to be done. <laughs> exactly, bikinis are a thing. Yeah, gotta gotta grow up, Walt. I'm not your yeah. little. 11 year old ballerina you found me dancing in swan lake back in 1954 <laughs> or whatever it was <laughs> well i'll tell you, two I, you of know the... of course oh go ahead yeah I'm sorry. go ahead now i say we no, were talking I, about the child stars two two that that i think is um the two kids in mary poppins are just so good and that was pretty much oh, like the yeah. only disney movie right and they, they were like so perfectly cast they were amazing yeah they did um they did Mary Poppins, and then they did another movie called The Three Lives of Thomasina, mm -hmm. which I think was um, after Mary Poppins or before. Mm -hmm. I'd have to look that one up. I can't. I, I think it's after. But another one that they did, I know that is is after, is called The Gnomobile. Oh, wow. And that's mm -hmm. like my uh, co-host, uh, Jer Jared, every Disney flick. That's his favorite yeah. Disney movie of all time, so. Yeah. Oh, really? Three yeah. lives of Thomasina. Got a has a great opening theme song by um, uh, Terry Gilkison, another songwriter that that did a lot of. He he wrote um, the Bare Necessities, which a lot of people get confused. Oh, yeah. They think that, that the was Sherman the Brothers wrote all the songs from yeah, Jungle the Book. The one non Sherman Brothers song in uh, Jungle Book. Yeah, it, yeah. Who's Bob Sherman was saying? He goes, people will come up to him and talk about Bare Necessities. He goes, no, that's one we didn't write. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that was Terry. <laughs> yeah. So the Three Lives of Thomasina was before Mary Poppins. So okay. Mary Poppins was their second movie. Yeah, and then they finished it off with the Nomobile. So three yeah. movies that. Uh, Karen Dotris and Matthew yeah. Garber, who just I mean, and just they're it's the most perfect faces for them. They're so so great. oh, I know, I mean, just the model of innocence that kind yeah. of captures like what Walt Disney's films are all about. And then, you know, I guess we've got to end it with Mary Poppins, which is, yeah. I would say, Walt Disney's greatest film I mean, achievement, really. Yeah, it's a, it's a masterpiece for sure. Yeah. And I think if he kind of knew that going in, like he, yeah, well, he <laughs> wanted to go in that, well, it lost to My Fair Lady, right? 
And that was because that was the My Fair Lady Oscars where it swept everything except Audrey Hepburn, who played uh, Eliza Doolittle in the film, lost out to Julie Andrews, who won for Mary Poppins. For Best Actress. Yeah. Best Actress. But who who was ironic, (laughs) but who was who played Eliza Doolittle on stage and uh, and Jack Warner said didn't want to cast her. In, in the My Fair Lady mm-hmm. musical because she had not she was not a movie star yet and so um yeah and she kind yeah, of wouldn't did that like have been look- great to to be in the and audience she, I, I can't night. remember what she said what wow. she said in her acceptance speech but she she kind of acknowledged that and I, you know a little bit and even Rex mm-hmm. Harrison he yeah. said he thanked so kind of like two very fair ladies comment. yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no Mary Poppins it doesn't it, it doesn't get much better than that right there yeah so. That kind of wraps up uh, Walt's involvement. I mean, you can get into the 70s with like Kurt Russell and Jodie Foster. <laughs> movies like Freaky Friday, the Dexter Riley films with Kurt Russell. Escape and these are the ones Witch that are, was a good one. Yeah, these are the ones that are more. And uh, you can find a lot of those on Disney Plus, too. But yeah, yeah I got to make yeah. I got to make some calls. Whoever's in charge there. We, they need to they need to I beef know. up their classic content. It's, it's really it's yeah, really they bad. totally do <laughs> i'm glad that but, they um, just added zorro but oh did they there's oh, still cool. a lot of movies missing the amount of shorts yeah. that are missing like they don't have the skeleton dance the first ever silly symphony like that's a how that's they gonna... insane yeah. i don't understand it yeah why like i i can't think of a reason <laughs> i literally can't think you know because you go yeah. into their halloween collection you think oh what I and mean, of course you want to play a bunch of stuff on halloween what would be better than uh, the skeleton dance and it's not there it's just I, it mm-hmm. makes no sense to me i don't know yeah but uh i i thank you for coming and joining me here and uh giving up some of your time tonight uh it was definitely a fun conversation yeah, my pleasure. We'll have to do it again sometime uh yeah and next mm-hmm. next year Gi- giants at yankees opening the uh the season yes we'll to, you have to come out to the bronx and we'll uh, yeah we'll take care give of me you. a ticket i've never been to yankee stadium so well, i'm there i'm there a lot <laughs> uh and you can and you can be followed on uh Keeping Walt in Disney on Instagram. It's a great account. Uh, I really love it. And um, and then you do uh, with uh, Jared Melford of every Disney flick. You do the monthly live yeah. action film. Uh, I don't know if this is going to come out before or after, but we're doing Pollyanna on Thursday, November 17th. Oh, yeah. This should be up by now. At, so. at 9 Central. <laughs> cool. We'll definitely check that yeah. out. All right, Brian. Listen, man, I thank you so much for coming by and uh, and for being a subscriber to the podcast and a, and a listener. And, yeah, and, uh, I'm looking forward to your Pinocchio and Snow White rundowns. Really, a lot. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I want to do those. Yeah, we're gonna have a. We're gonna be doing some commentary there to sync up when you watch it. So, all right, man. Oh, exciting! Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, you have a good night. I'm gonna. My dog is scratching at the door here, so I gotta go anyway. <laughs> okay. Thanks, <laughs> right. Greg, for having me on. Appreciate it. All right. You have a good night, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Brian Crawford, everybody, of Keeping Walt in Disney. That was all right, right? I enjoyed that, right? That was pretty good. (laughs) Oh, boy. That was swell. Oh, gee. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Character who is very clearly the real and actual Mickey Mouse and not an amateur impression. Thank you so much. I appreciate you saying that. So, and I also appreciate Brian for coming on and uh, for chatting with me a little bit. I messaged him right afterwards, saying that I could have easily gone another hour or two talking, and uh, and I meant that. Uh, it's it's cool. It, it it was fun. It was fun having the first guest on, and I'm excited to get more people on to just chat and every week have a, just a fun little conversation about about Walt and va- various. Uh, 
parts of his work in his studio and his life, and I hope you enjoy it as well, and I hope you come back every week. Please uh, subscribe. Please rate and review us on the various podcast apps. Please follow me on Instagram at InWaltzTime. Uh, you can check out my shops, my art, and my, my merch shop at uh, Big Cartel and Tee Public. The links are there in the show notes. But the best way, the best way to subscribe, because the home of this podcast is at my Substack. Uh, where you will find not only my Disney stuff, but other things as well in the, in the wonderful world of Craigers. If you go to craigmahoney.substack.com and you can become a free subscriber if you want. It won't necessarily cost you anything. And you can curate exactly which sections you want to get notified of. But if you become a premium subscriber for just $5 a month, which or $50 a year, that's a $10 bargain, right? Uh, you'll get all sorts of things. You'll get... Premium episodes, as I as I mentioned earlier, you'll get uh, sneak previews of uh, works in progress of new Disney art that I'm working on, and 20% off in my online art store, my gallery store over on Big Cartel. And this is the time of year for it, right? It's a time to be a. Uh, it, it is the shopping season as we near Christmas, so that's that's a that's a good deal right there, right? Come on. Uh, but no, really, that is the best way. If you really want to, the best way to uh, help the podcast out, it's uh, th- th- throw a few bucks your old pal Gregor's way. <laughs> that'll that'll enable me to to put a little bit more time and effort into into creating more great and wonderful things for you. But you don't have to spend a dime to help us out. The best way that anyone and everyone can help the show out is just to tell your friends, tell your friends, and tell them to tell to tell to tell their friends about this Disney history podcast called In Walt's Time, hosted by this weirdo uh, that we think you'll like. You know, have a few drinks and you'll get into it. Uh, that's the best way to go. So please spread the word. In the meantime, once again, I want to thank Brian Crawford, and I want to encourage you all to get on Instagram and to follow him at uh, Keeping Walt in Disney. And until next Wednesday, I urge you all, to go out and have yourselves a great, big, beautiful week. <laughs>